0: the guelph politicast i'm adam a donaldson of guelph politico today i talk to tammy adkin and leslie munoz who both work in different capacities for the city of guelph with this being national indigenous history month it seems appropriate to look at how our local government is adapting to make our indigenous communities a more active part in that local governance. It was this time last year when we were all reckoning with our thoughts and feelings about the discovery of unmarked graves at former residential school sites. But there were also institutional considerations. So how can we acknowledge the history of the land and then refuse to give the traditional landholders more of a say in what happens on it? That's a question a lot of municipal governments have been struggling with, and that's the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. The City of Guelph has had an official land acknowledgement for almost six years now. Development on that carefully worded statement that opens city council meetings and other official city events started after the delivery of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission report in 2015, which was supposed to be the endpoint of centuries of abuse, neglect, and genocide, and the start of, well, something better. A few years later, the delivery of the report into murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls was another one of those enough-is-enough moments, but that investigation kept getting tripped up all the way to the end of the finish line. The racial reckoning in the summer of 2020 following the killing of George Floyd tagged Indigenous people in the debate as well, but then things really started to feel different last summer, when we started confirming the existence of all of those unmarked graves. Among the actions taken locally was the announcement of a new position at Guelph City Hall. Called the Intergovernmental Advisor Specializing in Indigenous Relations, a full-time position that's responsible for leading the city's relationship building with key First Nations and Metis government partners and provide advice to city departments on Indigenous relations with the aim of advancing reconciliation. And yes, that was a direct quote. Earlier this year it was announced that Trevor Bomberry from the Mohawk Nation and a member of Six Nations of the Grand River had been hired to fill the part. So I reached out to the city for an interview, and I was told that he had already moved on. It's an example of just how in-demand smart, talented, and forward-looking indigenous leaders really are. So as the city of Guelph looks to fill that position, we will talk about local politics and indigenous relations with two different people. Guelph Museum's manager, Tammy Adkin, and the city's manager of policy and intergovernmental relations, Leslie Munoz, on this week's edition of the Guelph Politicast. With Adkin, we will talk about covering the past, how those perceptions are changing, how the museum staff are changing with the times, and how we can celebrate the existence of Guelph in Canada while acknowledging our difficult past. With Munoz, we will talk about the mechanics of engaging with the various indigenous groups represented within Guelph, overcoming the doubt of those communities that this time is any different, and the ongoing difficulties in trying to fill that new city position meant to facilitate some of those changes. So I caught up with Tammy Atkin and Leslie Munoz last week via Zoom. So uh, joining me this week, uh, I'd like to introduce, first of all, uh, Leslie Munoz. Hello, Leslie. Hey, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you for uh, coming on with me today. And of course, I'd like to introduce also Tammy Atkins. Uh, hello, Tammy.
1: Hello, Adam.
0: All right. So, Tammy, I'm going to start with you first. Um, looking back, I mean, it's it's a lot's changed in the last couple of years in terms of relations with not just Indigenous people, but um, various communities within Guelph, Um So, you know, starting from there, um, how would you characterize how the city interacted with members of the Indigenous community here um, before, you know, we started kind of insisting on those changes? You know, how would you describe that, uh, you know, where we were a couple of years ago?
1: Sure. Um, Certainly, you know, for many years, uh, Guelph Museums has had really positive relations with uh, Indigenous community members who um, would uh, support uh, the museum in terms of um, offering learning activities and events that celebrated Indigenous culture. It was really um, in 2015 with the release of the uh, uh, Truth and Reconciliation Commission's calls to action um, that we began in earnest questioning had we really been reflecting the true and full history of the land that we now know is wealth. And the answer to that was um, no, <laughs> we hadn't <laughs> been in um, as we as we should have uh, been. There had been periodic um exhibitions and programs, uh, but we really, you know, when we told the story of Guelph, it started with the, uh, the the founding of Guelph, the story started with the arrival of John Galt. And of course we know um, that John Galt was not the first person to walk on that land, that in fact, you know, Guelph uh, situated uh, where the rivers meet was a gathering place, was a hunting grounds, um, was a really significant um, place for um indigenous people and uh, so in 2015 uh, when the calls to, a- to action were released there were calls specific that spoke specifically to museums Um, we had uh, the opportunity through the Canadian Museum Association um, to uh, to embark on some learning Um, and that is a a learning journey that continues to this day and and quite frankly is um, a lifelong commitment for (laughs) our, our museum the more we learn the more we know how much more we have to learn. Right. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, we have strong ties with many um, members of the local Indigenous community, the urban Indigenous population. We are working to develop stronger relationships with our treaty partner, the Mississaugas of the Credit uh, First Nation. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, um, we also benefit from learnings from, you um, uh, people from six nations um, who have been helping us to understand uh, their presence on the lands that we now um, call home. And uh, and so it's been a really, um, it's been hard work. Um, we have learned a lot and it has been really enriching.
0: Well, Leslie, while, while Tammy's sort of been looking to the past, you've been kind of looking to the future. And I, I think one of the things that we get kind of or one of the things that kind of goes right by us when we're talking about trying to reach these reconciliation goals is we talk about indigenous communities as sort of an homogenous group. um, But they're not there are numerous different groups and nations within the indigenous community. So can you talk a bit about who the Guelph indigenous community is when you talk about trying to interact with them and, and trying to to get their feedback?
2: Yeah, for sure. So, so I know Tammy spoke quite a little bit about uh, folks who we typically refer to as the urban indigenous community members. So, um, individuals who happen to be indigenous and who happen to live in Guelph and who carry that with them. Um, in the way that they interact in our community, um, I, I kind of approach uh, where we're going and in, in Indigenous relations more from an intergovernmental relations perspective as as the city's kind of uh, person GR person. Um, so essentially, what that means is is you know there there are you know Indigenous communities. Some are, are First Nations, right? They're, they're sovereign Indigenous governments um, and who carry that weight with them, right? Um, and so intergovernmental relations at the City of Guelph is is uh, when it, re- it comes to Indigenous relations is responsible for maintaining those those relationships, those ongoing kind of relationship building engagement uh, with our formal kind of uh, partners, Indigenous government. Uh, Indigenous government. So uh, for us, that means the Mississauga is the credit First Nation, just recognizing that we're on between the Lakes Treaty and number three territory. Um, and then as well, Six Nations of the Grand River, just because we know that there's a, a strong kind of connection there um, and it's the neighborly thing to do. Um, so that's kind of where the intergovernmental relations portion comes from it. it I don't think it takes away uh, anything about what the city's trying to do to, to kind of strengthen connections and relationships with urban Indigenous community members. Right. Um, but, but the IG focus is really on on um, making sure that those solid government-to-government relationships are, are strong and in place. Um, and, and I'm a big kind of proponent of make a friend before you need a friend. Um, and, and I think that that's the kind of mantra that we've tried to take to our relationship building efforts moving, moving forward. Um, so, you know, we spoke a little bit about the past and, and, and where we're going. Um, so maybe I'll, I'll kind of uh, do that as well. Mm. municipalities obviously creatures of the of, of, the, of the province um, we're, we're bound by numerous kind of regulations uh, from the federal and provincial governments and and i would say that historically the kind of government relation portion of indigenous relations has really focused on that is there a provincial or federal requirement to engage um, and and we've done that you know we've, we've done what we've needed to do on the indigenous engagement front to, to get environmental assessment approvals things like that um, but but we're getting to a point where we're acknowledging that that's not good enough right we can't just reach right. out uh, when we need to check a box to advance an infrastructure project. Um, and so, what we're trying to shift towards is being more proactive, um, making sure that we have that connection before we're asking them to, to say they're okay with an infrastructure, uh, you know, a capital work. Um, and, and then, essentially, as well, uh, making sure that we're engaging sooner, um, that we're engaging more thoroughly, um, that it's based in, in friendship and mutual benefit and not just, again, checking off that box to get a provincial federal approval. Um, and, and where we want to go, I, I would say um, as part of the Indigenous Relations Plan work under development is get to a point where where we are being proactive about that relationship building. We're not just doing it to, to you know check the box, but also in a way that's holistic, in a way that, that recognizes that, yes, we, we have a kind of legal obligation and responsibilities uh, to uphold our original and treaty rights in Guelph, and and that involves working with MCFN and and with Six Nations, Um, but then also we do have this urban Indigenous community member, so how do we make sure that we approach engagement holistically in a way that's interconnected, in a way that kind of recognizes and and, and supports and um, affirms the sovereignty of the rights holders, but then also is inclusive and and feels good to to everyone, um, regardless of of whether or not they happen to be, uh, you know, from MCFN, a government representative from MCFN, a, a regular kind of Mississauga person who just happens to live Wealth, or maybe they're you know Métis or Inuit, and and they also want to be engaged. Um, right. So so I think that's where we're trying to, to move the dial from a checkbox approach to let's approach holistically, let's be proactive, um, and, and let's make sure that Indigenous folks enjoy coming to Guelph, enjoy living in Guelph, um, and and feel like their perspectives and, and and perspectives are reflected in the work that we do on the infrastructure side as well as other projects.
0: I'm gonna so come. Um, that was good, and I'm going to come back around to, to that in a second, Leslie, but I'm going to go back to Tammy first, and I think a lot of, maybe some of Leslie's work might go down a bit easier if, you know, Indigenous communities sort of see themselves reflected in the history, and, you know, you're, granted, your, your domain is the museums, and, and uh, that's an important place to start, but I mean, in terms of seeing, like, Indigenous culture and history reflected in common spaces in Guelph, whether that's the museum, whether that's city hall, um, what, what are kind of we working towards to make sure that, you know, we are reflecting as you noted, the complete history of the area, not just when John Galt let set boots on the ground here. Mm -hmm.
1: No, absolutely. Um, and Leslie, uh, talked a lot about relationship building and, and that's, really important as we um, strive to ensure there is representation in our the story of our community in um, the the culture the arts uh, um, and in citizen interaction with the with the community so um, as I mentioned we have been learning a lot more about um, about Uh, the history of the people who were on the lands long before John Galt arrived. Um, And we are striving to reflect that uh, full history in the the truest truth that we know to date. And so at the museum, we have developed an exhibition called Where the Rivers Meet, um, which uh, is really a culmination of all of what we have learned about the history um, as we understand it today. And we uh, preface that exhibition by saying that we are still learning and mm. that we will make changes to this exhibition as uh, as we learn more, as we find out that some of the information we have is not what other people understand the history to be. Um, we're really keen on ensuring that we are, um, providing space for a lot of different voices, a lot of different perspectives um, uh, of the you know First Nations, Inuit, Metis citizens uh, um, in our community um, and that it's their their voices telling their stories the way they want them to be told and so the way we have um, designed that exhibition is to be very modular so we can pull out information as we need to. We can add information as we need to. And within the next few years, we will be updating all of our exhibitions at the Civic Museum. And so this work that we're doing now um, is really an opportunity to pilot how we are representing how we're providing space for people to tell their stories, how we're representing that story, and we will build that practice into um, the more permanent exhibitions that we will be developing over the next couple of years. In addition to that, um, we are uh, supporting local Indigenous community members in Uh, presenting, uh, for instance, a uh, national celebration of First Nations and UEMAT people, which happens um, every year on June 21st. Uh, This year, the event is happening in Riverside Park. Um, It's an event that each year, the local indigenous community members plan the event uh, we provide them support and space uh, support with logistics uh, but it is their event to the community and we take we use that opportunity to develop relationships um to listen to learn um and uh um it, it has become a really um strong partnership that I think has set the foundation for a lot of um, other opportunities for us to interact um, with the Indigenous community um, uh, to ensure that there's representation. Um, And it has, uh, in addition to that, we are, um, uh, we were very active in terms of acknowledging uh, the inaugural um, National Day for Truth and Reconciliation last mm-hmm. year. And we are determining how best uh, to move forward um, in uh, presenting um, programming for that day, uh, that um, reflects kind of the the tone of that day. And that, you know, is a reminder um, that we have a difficult history in this country um, and that there is an opportunity um, to uh, collectively work towards healing and reconciliation. Um, and that is also informing our approach to Canada Day as we move forward, right. um, and it it's really um, giving us pause for all of the activities that we present. Our in all of our exhibitions and all of our programs, are we considering how um, we engage indigenous ways of knowing? Are we being respectful? Are we kind of checking our colonial privilege? Mm -hmm. This is um, really, uh, those are threads that are informing all of the work that we do as we move forward.
0: I'm going to revisit some of that in a minute, but I'm gonna circle back to Leslie. because there's su- such great points keep coming up, but I don't want to monopolize the conversation in one way. But Leslie, let uh Tammy touched on something in terms of inviting indigenous people into spaces and, and, and getting their, their points of view and, and kind of unlearning things. I'm wondering in the work you do, and maybe in to, to an extent in the work Tammy does as well. I mean, are, are you encountering difficulty in terms of like convincing members of our local indigenous communities that th- this is work being done in earnest, that you we we really want to change this time, and perhaps um, there is some skepticism perhaps some doubt that uh, those of us among the settler community really want to to in, to bring them into the in, into the circle of influence, as it were.
2: Yeah, like I, I think that there's definitely a lot of skepticism, and I, I think it's it's well earned, right? Like. I'd be skeptical too, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of reasons to, to, for an Indigenous person to, to doubt, you know, the well intentions of, of someone who works for a municipality. Like we, we are a, you know, local colonial institution. Um, so so absolutely, I think that we're encountering that. Um, and and I think that the only way to kind of move forward is is to number one, acknowledge that truth has to come before reconciliation, that we have a lot of lessons to to learn in that. Um, you know, if we've... Uh, we, I think that there's an understanding that there is a need for for patience on both sides, right? Like here we are, uh, a hundred, you know, hundreds of years later, still kind of learning about the history of the land that we live on. Um, that's frustrating, um, and 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 yeah. So we have to be patient too. That folks are going to be slow to trust us, and I think that all that can be done is is approaching things in good faith, being earnest, um, being deliberate. And, and on some level, just hoping for the best, right? And, and acknowledging that that some folks might not be ready to, to walk alongside us yet. And mm-hmm. and I think that, you know, there's, there's a lot of Indigenous che- teachings about how this is intergenerational work, right? Um, the work that we do today is going to set the stage for what our children and our grandchildren are going to be doing. And I think that sometimes kind of taking that multigenerational approach almost... Uh, it helps me sleep at night at the very least right um what i'm doing now might make you know indigenous folks 50 years from now feel a little bit more comfortable working with the city of guelph and i think that if we take that kind of uh that's extremely long term um but i think it's some of the mentality that we have to adopt right like colonization is still ongoing it's taken you know more than 500 years, it's, it's going to take just as long possibly to, to, to get to a point where folks feel like, like there's comfort, right?
0: Yeah. Um, so I
2: think it's part about being honest with ourselves, but then still being good intentioned, being earnest, doing our best and being public servants, truly,
0: truly, truly
2: public servants.
0: Right. I guess maybe it is a bit of <laughs> trying to undo a lot of that colonial thinking. I mean, w- we, we think in, in short terms, um, a lot of Indigenous cultures and traditions do not, and I mean, y- you all here are municipal employees, and you know that uh, you can you can move on from your current position, whether that's moving up in in the ladder or moving making lateral moves to different places. But you know you you know you only get a set amount of time to make the difference or make a difference before before moving on too. And um, I, I guess is is that. Leslie, is that a kind of something that's maybe holding back? You know, w- w- we, we kind of have this expectation seeing, see, we're better now, where that's something that's going to be proven by the way our grandchildren and great-grandchildren sort of embrace these issues.
2: I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of the notion that slow and steady wins the race, but I, I also understand that a lot of folks feel a deep sense of urgency because it, it's yeah. been a long time. Um, what I can tell you, and I'll, I'll mostly speak on the government relations, like my kind of interactions with Parts over at MCFN and Six Nations, um, I think that sometimes there's a lot of anxiety because of, of the dark history of reaching out. And, and the reality is, is that when you do reach out, when you try to make a friend, there's really friendly people on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um like, yes, do we have um, a, a lot of folks that we need to bring along slowly and, and 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 kind of address the skepticism? Yes. And I think that that will also exist 50 years from now, right? Um, I think that that's what happens when, when your country has such a dark history as, as the one that we do. Um, but there are folks like, you know, MCFN and Six Nations, they're both wonderful to work with, the, the, the kind of counterparts that we engage with on the consultation level like we're, it's really positive. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. And, and I think that, um, that you're absolutely right. Sometimes that kind of fear or anxiety about the, the history holds people back. And, and in reality, it's, it's pretty easy to pick up the phone if you try. Um, right. So it is this balancing thing. Um, I, I do think that, that, you know, saying like, oh, that this is so complicated, you know, we, so we need to, approach really slowly i I do think that in the past that 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 has the potential um to hold back good work but i I think that at the city we've kind of we're we're constantly learning that lesson i would say and trying to to strike a balanced approach recognizing that we have work to do and it could take time to bring everyone along people might not get there with us um but we also have an obligation to to the public today right Mm -hmm. um and 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 it's it's kind of that that balancing act um so so uh, to your point uh, yes but i also think that that there is good work underway happening i think it's just being realistic about our context and and um not not, ma- not making an excuse for an action um but but just everything needs to be thoughtful and
0: measured and context is something i wanted to, to ask you about tammy because you know you mentioned the museum is, is in the process of sort of like renewing its exhibitions over the next few years. And I think I know the reason why these next few years are going to be very important in terms of refreshing Guelph's history. Um, We are approaching the 200th uh, anniversary of Guelph's founding, but I mean, here's the duality, right? We love Guelph. We think Guelph's a pretty great place to live. On the other hand, it was this settlement that was established uh, you know, nobody invited John Galt in. John Galt chopped down a tree and voila, we have guelph Canada Day is another one of those circumstances, you know. And, and I, I remember these debates last summer during the uh, the discovery of the unmarked graves, where you had so many people saying, well, Canada's not that bad. I'm an immigrant. I came from a war zone or I came from a horrible place and I came to Canada and found a, a, a nice safe home here. But then you also have the, the valid histories of, of our indigenous people. So, I mean, how much this is a lot of work for a museum to balance as, as we're moving forward to, through these, what's supposed to be a celebratory period.
1: It's a lot of work for society. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to balance. And I think Adam, that you said the word balance and, and um, you know, I, I think that's the key there look there's a lot we have to celebrate about the city of guelph and about canada um and, but we do need to acknowledge that uh what we enjoy in guelph and in canada has come at an extreme cost to the people who were on the land um and then uh who were victims of you know Cultural genocide um, uh, as a result of the the founding of of the country, and so you know, we're um, last year was questions about Canada Day and should it be celebrated um, have been circulating in kind of in my circle since uh, twenty seventeen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then last year we were a country in mourning. Um, and and it was, you know, particularly challenging to find a reason to celebrate. But the conversations I've had over the past several months with indigenous people who we are working with um, have been about acknowledging the pain our painful past, but finding a way to heal and to move forward with hope um we've worked with an artist at um at the civic museum tracy may chamber she's a metis artist um, who has launched a cross-country installation project called hope and healing where she creates these magnificent yarn sculptures um at sites at museums at civic spaces um and her you know her point about doing these sculptures is um we need to acknowledge the truth we need to acknowledge the pain but we need to find a reason to hope we need to find a way to build better communities in a better country um and so she will be returning uh to guelph we've commissioned her uh uh for july 1st for canada day um, to create an installation that will just encourage people who are um you know doing all the traditional things to celebrate canada day eating you know the vanilla cupcakes with red icing <laughs> <laughs> and um and getting together with parties in their community and, and preparing for the fireworks we're just create we're creating a space with tracy may's work to say let's just pause for a moment remember that what we enjoy today has come at a cost and let's reflect on how we're going to move forward in a better way that benefits the grandchildren of our treaty partner
0: is that right that's kind of like changing the context of these things we think about canada day as like celebrating the past but maybe we're trying to flip that around and talk about celebrating the possibilities in the future instead of looking backwards at the past, like using those occasions.
1: Well, I do think that, um, uh, we need to look towards the future. We need to have hope. We need to, now that we, we can't not know what we now, we can't unlearn what we now know. Right. Um, but what we can do is address it. We can acknowledge how, um, Events or commemorations like Canada Day, um, how, you know, from our perspective, have always been celebratory. But we now need to acknowledge, because we know that it isn't a celebratory day for everyone, that it comes with the idea of confederation. It, confederation um, has caused a lot of pain and destruction. Um, and now that we know that, um, how can we contribute to the rebuilding and a
0: better future for all of us? Mm -hmm. Leslie, I know that uh, in in your part of town, in the city hall, um, you've been trying to recruit someone who can sort of make this a full-time effort, the the intergovernmental advisor specializing in indigenous relations position. And I know that this is not a problem unique to Guelph and trying to find a qualified applicant, um, a lot of municipalities are trying to find someone to fill these roles so i guess why is it so hard to to find someone to take this on it seems like there's a lot of passion and enthusiasm is it just like uh you know we're 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 in, it seems it it almost feels like we're inviting indigenous people to take on leadership positions after spending no time in the last few years to try and cultivate pe- indigenous people to take up those leadership positions is is that maybe something Is that maybe one of the reasons we're having a hard time filling that position?
2: Um, So all I can say is that indigenous talent is, is in high demand. I think that. (laughs) um, it, it is, right? I think that, that folks bring unique lived experience and, and it's, it's difficult to, yeah, there's, there's a lot of demand out there. And and if anything, I think it's, it's, it's a celebration of, of indigenous excellence that we have here um, in Guelph, in our surrounding area in Ontario and Canada. Right. Um, so I, I will say that uh, if anything, I think it's, I, I will also say, you know, we, we all just went through a pandemic um, there, you know, the city is, is remote hybrid. Um, we can't really blame folks for, for uh for finding opportunities that that work for them right and and we're just looking for a candidate that you know is is this is the right opportunity for them that they're kind of at home here um so i, I would say that that it, it's not a bad thing i think it's just yeah there's a lot of indigenous excellence out there and 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 it, 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 there's a lot of folks who are very qualified and a lot of opportunity um mm. so you know i i do think that that it's a problem that's not unique to this position i would say that um you know it kind of exists across the municipal sector. It's difficult to find people right now. I think that any, you know, everyone's looking for employees. Um, so I would say that it's not unique to, to Guelph or unique to the position, but I think in our particular case, yeah. Like I think that there's there's indigenous job seekers are in demand and I think it's a it's a good story.
0: Do you have a plan B if uh, this were, continues <laughs> to be an open position?
2: <laughs> um, do I have a plan B? I, I think that regardless what the city can commit is that we're going to continue doing Indigenous relations work. It's, it's not going to go away. We're not going to just, uh, you know, we're going to continue doing this work. We're going to look for someone who's a good fit. Um, and, and, yeah, I, I do think that... Um, that there is something to be said about diversifying the municipal sector and, and, and making sure that, that, uh, that we're a welcoming work environment, um, making sure that, that, you know, we, we understand that, that, municipal governments for whatever reason have lack lacked diversity over the years. And so that if we're going to diversify our workforce, be that, you know, more immigrants, more racialized people, more indigenous people, um, that that there's a learning curve there. And that we need to, as an employer, be ready to um to to be there and to support folks as as they learn the intricacies of, of a municipal government. Um so so I'll I'll say that, but but I, I think that, you know, it's not unique to the position, it's not unique to the sector. It's not unique to, you know, it's it's happening everywhere, uh, in all corners of the labor market.
0: How about you, Tammy? Are you seeing sort of the results of sort of changing changing the way we, we, we preserve and present history and the in displays um, that you're putting together and the events you're putting together? Are even, like, non-Indigenous people, like, seeking out this history? And um, are you being challenged to sort of, even even as you are sort of stepping up your game um are are you and your staff still being challenged to to do even more
1: Uh, absolutely we are being challenged to do more and we we are actually challenging challenging ourselves to do more i think um you know it this is a long game for us um and uh, we uh, we appreciate the occasional quick wins that we uh, that we achieve with some of the work that we're doing, um, but we are also reminded always that we need to be modest in this work because, as mm-hmm. I said earlier, the more we learn, the more we learn, we don't know. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, we you know we are being challenged um, uh, to. Um, Ensure that we are uh, perceived, particularly by Indigenous youth, as a welcoming place. And I think we have a lot of work to do in that regard. Um, uh, for people to, for Indigenous people to see the museum as a safe space where uh, they are represented, where they have a voice, um, uh, where they are uh, safe to share. Their truths, um, where they will be uh, supported and um, and respected, um, is is guiding um, our our work uh, in our new strategic plan for the next three years at least. But as I said, it is a a long game. Um, I would say early on in the work that we were doing, we had a challenge in a different way. We were asked, "Why are we doing this work?" And and you know, um, you know, why when there wasn't a residential school in Guelph, why were we mm. representing that story? Um, and so, there's been a fair amount of work for us to do to educate the community that while, you know, the nearest edu- a residential school um, was. Uh, in Brantford, Um there are citizens in our community. Some of our neighbors um, are survivors of residential schools, or are the children um, of residential schools who are who are dealing with intergenerational trauma. So, uh, these are people in our community. This is these are this is part of their story, and these are hard story this is hard history to to learn and and um you know sometimes people um value the museum uh, for kind of the nostalgic factor that museums Mm. can bring but history is not pretty (laughs) um and certainly when we consider the history of our country it is it is filled with trauma And it's really important that we understand those stories so we can understand each other's perspectives, so we can move forward in a positive way. So I would say um, last summer represented a little bit of a sea change um, in that uh, I think there was a collective awakening to um, the impact of residential schools on our community and or and on our country and there was um a heightened desire from community members to uh, to learn and to understand um and so uh that's really I think that you know as much as it's rooted in in the most tragic sad part of our history Mm -hmm. I do think that the collective awakening and the, um, the increased community interest um, is a reason for us to be
0: hopeful. Yeah. Well, Leslie making government policy isn't pretty either. um, And I'm sure you will agree. I'm, you know, it, it kind of stuck out in my mind. You you said municipalities are the creature of the province. And that's not the first time I've heard that expression, which, you know, there are projects that the municipality does that are sort of driven by provincial changes to law, provincial mandate. There are things that the city needs to do because it's, it's municipal jurisdiction and something has to be improved. Something has to be torn down. And I'm curious about maybe the limits of this proactive indigenous engagement. And is, is there, even if you don't have a specific example in mind, but you know, there could be some time out in the future where, the indigenous community has a very different idea about a municipal pro- municipal project, whether that's a different a uh, difference of opinion about need or want than the municipality or the province. And and what happens then? What happens when our best efforts to sort of be more inclusive just aren't enough?
2: Um, I, I think that's a an interesting question. Like, yeah, like there there are definitely, you know, I think that that's some of the work that we're, we're trying to get through. Like if, if, you know, if we started at indigenous engagement just because it's a provincial or federal requirement and, and you know, we're not in the constitution, we're not, you know, we're a creature of the province. Um, so I, I think it's about how do we become more proactive, right? I think that the work that, that Tammy does is a great example of that, right? Under, you know, I, I would be surprised if any provincial or federal ministry has ever gone to Tammy and been like, Hey, what are you doing on, on reconciliation? What are you doing for indigenous engagement? Right. That's, that's a proactive opportunity. And, and I think that the challenges that we face are, are, you know, it's just, it's part of, it's part of, of what it is to be in municipal government. It's part of what, it, you know, um, it, it kind of comes with the, with the game. Um, if I can frame it that way, right. I think that, that again, as I mentioned before, all that we can do is, is do our best, um, come at it in good faith um, be, you know, good players um, and 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 maybe it's it's a little uh, not enough to say hope for the best, but, but you know, you hope that you prioritize relationship building. You hope that you're proactive in your engagement. You hope that you identify problems early on so that there's still, you know, a chance to, to influence the policy and the decision making or the project before, you know, council has, has approved it, right? Um, and I think that that's all about being good public servants, making sure that we're doing our engagement well, making sure that the input that we receive from the public, is actually incorporated into our work, um, and just being responsive to to Indigenous governments, to our local community, um, and, and yeah, like we're we're human, we're going to get it wrong sometimes, um, and 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 we do, right? And I think that that's why. The public is also there to hold us to account, right? Um, this is a democracy. there's give and take as public servants, sometimes we don't deliver and 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 all we can do is learn those lessons and move forward. And I think that when it comes to reconciliation and indigenous engagement, because of that kind of um, dark history, like we just have to accept that that's the space that we exist in. We have to do our best, hope for the best, acknowledge that there's going to be a step backwards sometimes, um but then always prioritize the relationship, right? and 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 doing the best that we can.
0: Do, we, do you think we have the patience, whether it's our government representatives, whether it's staff, whether it's members of the public, no matter where they come from, do we have the patience to see this through? Do we
2: have the patience to see this through? I I think so. I think that we are all invested, right? Like I'm I'm a migrant settler. Uh, Tammy cares deeply about Guelph. You're, you know, you're super into politics. And here we are having this conversation and and about the need for, regardless of where we've been, regardless of the mistakes that have been made in the past, regardless of those mistakes that are still being made, there is a commitment there, right? Um, And and so how do we hold on to this momentum? How do we make sure that this energy, this commitment to reconciliation that we all feel on the inside um, keeps you know, keeps manifesting, keeps moving forward, Um, and and how do we make sure that we internalize the message to an extent that folks uh, don't feel like they're telling us the same things again and again and again. Like, let's actually learn and and move forward. Um, I think that when you come from a country that has such a dark history, you have to be an optimist.
1: Mm-hmm. You have to
2: believe that that if you work hard and you're diligent and you're honest and approach things in good faith, that that good things will come from it. Um, but but yeah, there's always there's always room for error. Uh, I'm sure that the city will. You know, we've made mistakes before. We'll probably make mistakes again. Um, and we just have to be modest with ourselves and, and honest with ourselves and learn those lessons and, and move forward in good faith.
0: And Tammy, I'll I'll give you the last word because, as as Leslie said, I'm super into politics, and there's an expression about journalism it's the best first draft of history um and we've come to i think understand or at least feel that by the time history makes it to the museum case it is set in stone and what we've been talking about today is that actually the museum case is not the end of the story that's another stop and long way of collecting the story so i will ask you are we prepared to rethink how we understand museums, that just because it's under glass, it does not mean we know 10 out of 10 points in terms of that history.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, museums are rethinking uh, our traditional practices um, and changing uh, the way that we practice the work that we do um, from, you know, interrogating what we have long presented as truth and really like in questioning and interrogating um, that, um, understanding that, uh, you know, in traditional museum practice, the truth was defined often by (laughs) one curator, one voice, right? uh, Who became an authority. um, And and we are moving away from that kind of singular uh, perspective practice to um, a place where museums uh, are um, really provide a conduit between people telling their own stories and their own truth um, and and the community. Um, Museums are colonial institutions, we were Mm born out of um a desire to showcase you know uh the treasures of conquests and the uh um you know the the flags that were that were planted on on grounds and, and and to carry um stories from you know our european founding nations so that those that memory and that understanding stayed with people who moved across the ocean so we're colonial we are born Colonial institutions. Um, and so there's a lot of talk about can we decolonize ourselves? Can we um, uh, check our colonial perspective? Um, and I'm not sure we can uh, entirely. I think we need to acknowledge it. I think we need to work towards uncolonizing um, our practices, um, but I do think it, certainly in Guelph we have a strong commitment to, uh, to change the way that we have um, collected and shared, preserved and shared history um, to expand perspectives and the voices um, that are presented. Um, and I know we're not alone. Uh, this is happening at uh, community museums and national museums across the country and in fact around the world. Um, and, uh, and so it's exciting, as you know, my colleagues at Guelph Museums and I talk about often. What um, an opportunity it is for us at this time in history to be able to, um, uh, you know, consider um, how we can contribute to, to hope and healing and reconciliation and to be part of a solution that will make our country and the world better. And it's just, it's an exciting time to be working um, in museums and culture.
0: To be continued uh, seems to be the theme of the day, so that's where we'll have to leave it. But uh, Leslie Munoz and uh, Tammy Adkin, uh, thank you for hopping on with me today and uh, thank you for all your insights. It's very appreciated.
2: Thank you for having us. Thank
1: Thank you.
0: And once again, that was Tammy Adkin and Leslie Munoz. The City of Guelph is currently in the process of hiring a new intergovernmental advisor specializing in Indigenous relations, and that job posting can be found on all of the major job sites if you know someone highly qualified and looking for work. If you missed this year's National Celebration of First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people in Guelph, we will have some of the audio from that event on this week's open-sources Guelph, which is Thursday at 5 p.m. on CFRU, and then the podcast version is on this feed the following Monday. And that is it for this edition of the Guelph Politicast. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio, out of the University of Guelph. And to learn more about CFRU, go to cfru.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you will get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media, at Guelph Politico on Twitter, and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me at Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram, and you can send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. If you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, check out guelphpolitico.ca, where we will have a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you shortly. And until then, we will see you next time. Thank you.